It is 8 a.m. in New York, 2 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 7 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Shine Bean from SundayBean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Burnout, bore out, resilience or endurance. These are the topics we've been talking about on Expat Happy Hour. Why? Because many of the listeners here are either on the brink of burnout or bore out and are looking for more ways to rejuvenate. So this episode of Expat Happy Hour is a bit special. We are going to zoom in on one great way that you can rejuvenate. For many of you who are listening, it's going to be something that is once in a lifetime, maybe even on your bucket list. And if you're someone like me who lives in Southern Africa, it might be a common topic. But today, I want to give it a new twist. In last episode, we talked about bucket lists and limits with Nicole Winning, how you can use a physical challenge like a marathon to stretch yourself in new ways. But there are some of us who are constantly pushing our limits, so busy with our work life and our family life and just want to decompress and check out for a moment. And I can't think of a better way than to do what is on many people's bucket list is go on safari. So talking about safaris from South Africa, I'm going to be really transparent. When I tell my kids we're going safari, they're like, oh no, another safari. (laughs) Because we have to get up really early in the morning. But as soon as we get there, they are completely enthralled and forget about tech. So this is why I'm bringing up an idea of the bucket list, the safari, to my listeners. Because one, it is either a bucket list item you've had for your life, or it's something you've access to and you might not be taking full advantage of it. And I know I might even include myself in that latter category. On the topic of bucket lists, this is just a reminder if testing your limits in your business and serving more people has been on your bucket list, do not miss out on applying to Expat Coach Coalition because the program begins very soon and I want you there. Go ahead and check out the show notes if you are a professional serving expats and you want to do more in your business. But let's get back to the safari as a bucket list. I can tell you when I think about safaris in South Africa, I do think of the animals, but some of the most beautiful things that I recall are the sunsets and the moon. Things that leave an impression in your lifetime and no photo can capture it with justice, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we step out of our crazy lives and say yes to an experience which breaks us away from tech, brings us away from the hustle bustle, 
and helps us settle in and reconnect with our family in new ways. I know people who love planning trips and they use an opportunity to plan a getaway as a way to connect with their partner. And they spend hours in the evenings pouring over um, lodges and potential places to go, dreaming into it and connecting in the process. But in my home, (laughs) we're both so busy. The last thing we want to do is spend hours looking for a hotel or a location, and we just want to rely on an expert. So I have invited someone in my backyard to join us today because they do this. And just a caveat, one of the organizations that joining us today is called safari.com. And I, this is podcast is not sponsored by them. I'm not making any money from them. I've simply invited them because they're a neighbor here in South Africa and they have served over 200,000 visitors to experience memories all over Southern Africa. And I love that they're helping connect people with their bucket list to an actual location that they're going to enjoy and meet their desires. So safari.com has agreed to join me in expat happy hour today. Really happy to have an Africa safari expert, Chantal Young. Chantal is going to spend some time with us, helping us understand the idea of what are some hidden gems in South Africa, even for the most seasoned expats, what you should do before, during, and after a safari so they make the most of it. And she offers some interesting insight that I wasn't expecting about some cultural practices that you might want to think about so you can be a respectful tourist. So let's welcome Chantal to Expat Happy Hour. So it is my huge pleasure to have Chantal Young as the Africa Safari expert from safari.com here with us today. Welcome, Chantal, to Expat Thank you so much. Oh, I'm happy to Thanks, have you. I'm so happy to have you here. We're actually, you know, in a global standard, we are neighbors because I'm in Pretoria and you're in Cape Town. Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> That's really great. Yeah. So you are an Africa Safari expert. Before we dive into some of the questions that our audience might have, I want to hear from you. How did you get to do what you do? I think it was, um, I just fell in love with, with Africa, you know, even though I'm, I'm a South African and I've been born and bred in Cape Town, I think the more and more I, I kind of participated in safari, the more I fell in love with it um, because it's so, so unique and so different and it's a, just a different outlook to, to being a South African. Um, a different appreciation was born. And um, I think just from from all the years I've been in travel, that has kind of been my my passion and love. Mm-hmm. And I think I've just kind of wanted to know more and just felt so intrigued by it all. And and that's why I think I've just remained where I am for now um, because of my love and passion for the product, mm-hmm. uh, because it's so diverse, it's so unique, and um, there's no two safari lodges that offer the same experience. So. It's kind of, um, it's, it's quite a, a growing, intriguing industry to be in. And that's, that's basically where and why I'm, I'm in it at the moment. 
And what a time to be South African, right? After winning the Rugby World Cup, it's such a great oh, time. <laughs> fantastic. Really, right? really exciting. That is something really exciting. That I've appreciated after being here for three years, you know, looking at what, what it does it mean to be South African, what are South Africans proud of, and where do they sort of tap into their identity. And the nature is definitely one one aspect I've seen people unify besides rugby. <laughs> I've seen yes. people unify. Yes, yes. Um, exactly that. So here's the thing. Um, the people that are listening are either dreaming about a safari as one of their bucket lists, right? You know how everyone has of a course. bucket list. Um, and, there, and there might be some people that have zero clue. They've never been on the continent um, this is just a dream. They don't know if it's tangible, right? So there's yes, one group who might have that. Then there's another group of people that are seasoned, you know, expats. They've been on the continent for years and might have the assumption that they kind of have already seen all there is to see. So I would love to just explore with you what, are, what do you think are some bucket list ideas for Southern Africa um, that people just shouldn't miss? Okay, so I would I would like to start with South Africa um, in that in that regard because South Africa is it's a company with a country with nine provinces, so it is massive, it's vast, and generally what happens is that the consensus around South Africa is that there's certain locations that need to be combined in order to get the best value out of your experience. But there's so much more to that. And, um, you know, there's this often where clients aren't aware that there's a West Coast or there's a Kalahari or there's the intriguing most beautiful part which to me to me is the is KwaZulu-Natal the northern side of KwaZulu-Natal so there's all these beautiful little gems hidden gems in South Africa um, and I, and I think for South Africa mainly it would be for people that are willing to self-drive so mm -hmm. a lot of the times when guests visit here it would be either a guided tour um, or they would just stay in one location and do day tours. Whereas if guests are open to self-driving, they'll be so surprised at how beautiful South Africa actually is from a cultural and authentic point of view. Right. So I'm going to just, I'm going to pop in there for a second yes. for people who don't understand what you're, what you mean by self-drive. So when a couple options, when you're thinking about South Africa, people might fly into Joburg and then fly to an area um, where everything is taken care of for you. And what I have all, what I've discovered, which is really fun because some of our South African friends, this idea of self-drive where you are on your own and it really does tap in to this sort of rugged uh experience which exactly. does right and i um i mean i've been on beaches with no one around <laughs> we yes. you know, yes. had to lower the air on our tires so we can actually go in the sand like there's there is this um, I want to say rugged aspect to South Africa that I've really appreciated discovering through my South African friends, that if you just 
um, sort of book what's easy and don't think about it, you might miss out on. But let me just be really honest here. People who don't know South Africa might be afraid to do that because they, you know, if you Google South Africa, things come up like crime and then they feel like they have to do everything with a guide. Tell, tell us more about your opinion on that. Okay. So, so first of all, one shouldn't be too skeptical when reading the, the tabloids. I think there's a lot of unnecessary hype that's created around South Africa. Um, in my many years of travel, and I'm talking just over a decade, um, I've never had clients experience any issues when self-driving. I myself have embarked on many a journey throughout South Africa um, by self-drive and have never really encountered any issues. What happens with, with South Africa is that there's a number of national roads which are very well monitored and maintained by government. And these roads lead to all those beautiful hidden gems like your West Coast where you would find the Cedarboo. Beautiful. And then, you know, going into um, the Eastern Cape where you would find those beautiful untamed beaches. And, and these are all reached by national road. So where safety is concerned, it really shouldn't deter guests. In fact, um, it can hinder you if you, if you become too skeptical because you really are missing out on some beautiful hidden gems South Africa has to offer. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, self-drivers is quite safe provided you, you remain on, on those national roads. There are times where you would need to go off-road, but these roads, again, are also well monitored. So I think it's just kind of taking in those locations which are which are on the map so so obviously not delving into areas which are unknown to anyone so so very important speak to a tour guide speak to your your operator communicate rather than just read and and believe what you see because that can can hinder an experience because um, most of of south africa the beauty lies within those hidden gems mm -hmm. and and there you really get to delve into the the authentic side of south africa so it's really just main, making sure the vehicle is all good and and this is what the car hire companies do they ensure that the vehicles are all up to standard. It's all roadworthy, um, provided you have a good GPS or a good map with you. You'd be absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. So, when I, what I love about the sort of more rugged uh, approach is what it offers is such a break from people's chaotic everyday lives. That when I've, um, you know, when I've been on safari or we've been on a drive somewhere, you know, with our car. Um, looking at the landscape, it just gives you sort of a tech-free escape. Reconnect. And um, what I've learned, you know, about South Africa since living here is just how just shockingly different the landscape is. From, you know, Cape Town versus Pretoria versus Durban versus Joburg and, you know, Limpopo. I mean, the landscape is just incredible how it, really how it changes. And that, that makes it exciting when you're driving. What, what, do you think, um, what do you think people need to know before they go? And, and please feel free to also include, you know, some of the more outlandish questions people have asked you that have maybe <laughs> surprised you. So what do you think people need to know before they go? Okay, so um, if, we, if we're looking at safari, for example, so that is the, one of the main reasons um, we have visitors coming to South Africa is safari. So let's, if we can just focus on how you can prepare for that. Um, 
you know, ensure that you, you read, you know, like I said earlier, one safari can differ to the next. So it also mm -hmm. depends on what is it that intrigues you about, about visiting South Africa? What has stood out for you that you would like to include in your itinerary? So I think just narrowing it down helps you to kind of tick off the bucket list. And, and just making sure that you're aware of certain reserves that are malaria zones, mm -hmm. um, making sure that uh, you're reading about seasonality because that does impact a safari. Um, right. also People don't just, realize it gets cold here, right? Well, this like, is the thing, yes, yes. <laughs> I've been and, frozen on safari, you know, because <laughs> I didn't bring my rain jacket, for example. Yes, so, so exactly that, because the activities are taking place um, at dusk and dawn. So, mm -hmm. and of course, during winter, it's, the, it's actually better to come on safari in winter. So, yes, it can, it can, you know, if you're not prepared, if you're not educated, it can be quite a shock to the system. Right. But of course, so it's just making sure that you read, um, you know, some YouTube tips will also help. Um, just making sure that, that you're aware of the, the gear that you've got to pack, you know, yep. packing. I've learned, the hot, I've learned the hard teeth chattering in the back of a safari with like hot yeah. chocolates <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, we didn't anticipate just how cold it would get at night. And I think yes. that, you know, the weather was rare that week. It happened to get cold. Um, so, and then, then there's the other thing of people who are coming from the Northern Hemisphere might not automatically remember that the seasons are reversed. So exactly that right exactly to expect that. a huge heat at christmas and cold at june and july isn't something everybody's already thinking about exactly so and of course yes. go ahead sorry go ahead sunday mm -hmm. but that's that's before you go so get informed um about some of the details what you need to know i like that you brought up malaria like for example in kruger park what are the malaria season what are the best malaria prophylaxis you want to take um if it's high season uh so that you can go at ease um, exactly. what, what about once you're there so so once you're there you know, I would. I must just just stress that once you on safari, you realise how far away from a first world you actually are. Mm -hmm. Once you land in in Johannesburg and you venturing into the safari, either by a light aircraft um, or a transfer, it's important to know that safari lodges are in incredibly remote locations. Mm -hmm. So first of all there's going to be less Wi-Fi, there's going to be less influence with technology. So you're completely detached from reality once you're there. And, and my, my biggest thing is just go with it. Just enjoy the experience of just slowing down and taking in every step of it because it does, it is quite a, a shock to the system to realize how slow it starts becoming because you completely emerged in nature and you, and those that are around you, the staff, um, even the guests, you know, they're all kind of on the same wavelength of, of just switching off and enjoying the surroundings. And suddenly you start realizing the importance of just enjoying the birds and enjoying and enjoying the elephants walking past the room. And you, you kind of start slowing down. So once you're there, it's really just taking it all in Sunday. Um, there isn't really much that you would want to do 
because your senses start becoming quite aroused by the experience. So once you're there, it's all about just taking photos, taking a video now and again, engaging with the, with the people, South African culture, just learning a little bit about it. The guides absolutely love sharing stories and, and facts and little fables. So engaging with South Africans is a very easy thing to do. And, and because it's, um, that comes along with, with the whole experience, you really do feel that you become more and more enriched as the safari goes along. So I think the biggest thing is just switch off, enjoy, and just absorb everything mm -hmm. that happens around you because, it, yeah, it's going to be, it's quite an extreme difference shutting off from first world and coming into, into the bush felt really. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, I mean, first of all, for those of you who are hearing, there's no Wi-Fi. It's, catch your breath. You can <laughs> yeah. sometimes get Wi-Fi. I mean, I am so connected to the internet. You can in your lodge. They do have some Wi-Fi, but when you're on Safari, maybe not. You can't do like an Instagram feed, right? Um, Absolutely. One thing that I love, I think one thing I would add to that is, um, I mean, we've, we've been on so many safaris, my kids kind of get sick of it. They're like, oh God, another safari. Um, but <laughs> what mm. I would suggest is um, not to get so attached to finding the big five that pe sometimes people are like, we must see the big five and they can get really attached to that idea and then feel disappointed if they don't click off all five big so five. True. Um, and I have to tell you, some of my, my greatest memories on the safaris that we've been on have been um, the moon and sunsets. It has nothing to do with the animals. It's just been, you know, out in the bushveld and watching the sun go down has been breathtaking. Um, exactly. And, that. Right? Yeah. And um, Absolutely. We all, we've also seen lions mate, which was pretty special. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> stunning, yeah. <laughs> so kind of like a voyeur when I saw it, but it was pretty special too. <laughs> see something like that so that is fantastic so what about um so you know get prepared before you go once you're there be present allow yourself to shut off um and what about after anything that you could recommend people should do after they've had this epic safari experience Okay, so obviously after the experience, you, you're going to feel a sense of lethargia where, where you will just want to just keep things at a bit of a slower pace. It's actually surprising to see how much a pers person slows down after safari. Um, so don't rush into getting back into reality, kind of, you know, mull over the experience, look at the photographs, get an an electronic photo album kind of keep it alive you know during conversation share it share the conversation with friends um speak with your your children that you've experienced the the safari with so kind of keep it alive for as long as possible but you will also find that those memories stay with you for a lifetime um and that is the impact of safari is that you don't really need to do much after because it does all of it on its own um, there is a great sense of appreciation um, when you leave a safari. There's a great sense of appreciation for the nature, for the fauna, the flora, just the little things. So it kind of brings you back to your roots. And so afterwards, I would say just in, enjoy just, of, you know, where you've been. And, and just, I think speaking about it keeps it alive for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and of course, planning your next safari is also great. You know, um, <laughs> trying to get family and friends along with you to go and just experience where you've come from. And that also kind of keeps alive and exciting. Um, and, and of course, you know, there's, like I said, there's no two safaris that is the same. So you could, you could look at what else can I do um, if I had to do this again? What else can mm -hmm. I incorporate? And of course, there's so much that you can do to keep it um, varied. Um, yep. you know so so there's a lot that one can do afterwards to to try and keep that alive within you but um i would say just just go with it because it's it's going to take you your your mind into places um where you've never been well and i've also noticed with the different lodges that we've gone um to i've learned what's really important to me you know we've been to we went to a really remote lodge and had a very individualized experience um and then we've also been to more mass lodges and it, and it for me and what I was looking for, it was too many people at one time. Yes. Um, so it took away from, from what I was really going for. So I think it's important to know um, what you're looking for. And that brings me to something that I feel like it's important on everybody's mind. There's two things that a lot of travelers have on their mind is that one, how do we be culturally appropriate um, when we're interacting in another context? What are some things that people should know um, so that they're respectful, not only to the local um, people that they're interacting with, but also ecologically with the animals. So what are some things we need to watch out for? So I would say the first thing is get to know the culture. So just educate yourself on, on just the, the cultures around where you're visiting, because they do differ from South Africa into, uh, into Southern Africa. So differ from South Africa to Namibia. Namibia differs again to Botswana and so forth. So um, I would say just being aware of, of just the economic climate or, or where we've been. Um, you know, a lot of guests, they want to know a lot. They, they come here and they want to know about the politics and, um, you know, the, the diversity and the inequality that happens. And, and yes, we all um, quite familiar with that. But for guests that come here, they, they just need to be aware that that can be a sensitive topic for some. So um, even even the staff at the lodges, you know, so so I would say um, try and keep the, the safari to safari. Um, mm. There will be some that will want to share a little bit more, um, but I would just say you know, tread lightly where that's concerned. Um, and of course, just, you know, where animals are concerned in taking photographs of local people, you've got to respect privacy um, when, you, when you're there. Um, and of course, animals don't like, you're not supposed to, you, you obviously get um, informed of how to, to behave on safari by your guard. So just sticking within that, um, so not standing up in the vehicle and not feeding animals or picking the plants or, you know, the, the so as little impact as possible um, is, I think, the biggest thing. So environmentally and culturally, one has to just be sensitive around those issues. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. I think you can also probably use that as a measuring stick when you're choosing the lodge that you want to go to. How how much do they talk about the footprint that they make and how they treat the animals? I know there's some controversy around um, you know, tours which let you pet animals, you know, baby lions, etc. Um, so it, it's yes. interesting if you want to let your um, your priorities lead as you um, 
choose your tour. I have a question. So, you know, when I got to nosafari.com, I was impressed with the wide variety of um, experiences they offer. And I'm, is it true that if the people can call you and you'll basically do some of the research for them and then help you book their itinerary? Oh yes, absolutely. That's exactly exactly what we use like, for. What have we been What have we been doing this whole time? I think about so many people who how much time because it's so overwhelming. It's oh, so yes. overwhelming when you don't know the area or you don't have a lot of time. I was like, why have I not been calling the, you guys this whole time? Um, and yeah. what I what I do know is that um, you specialize for people who are outside of Africa so that people really, you know, have never been here before to take, to give that sense of security and holding their hand and leading them through um, to find the right, the right itinerary for them. Yes. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of consensus at the moment where guests feel like they want to be independent around planning their safari. Um, they want to obviously feel that, that they're empowered to do that. And, and that can sometimes um, hinder the experience because, you know, for us, for example, we don't charge for that service. So the advice and the tips we give you and just the guidance and support, there's nothing that we charge additional besides just being with you in it. Um, because the industry pays us, there isn't any further cost on, onto that service that we deliver. And of course, um, we, we, in, we do this all day, every day. So we continuously updated by the partners with the partners that we use. Um, we know exactly who, which lodge to match with which client. So as long as the client is open to sharing what they envisage, we yeah. can basically create the perfect safari itinerary for them. I, so, you know, I love that because it's like, it's, you're not going to send them somewhere they're not going to be happy because that would be bad business for you guys. I love exactly. that you make that match. So now I'm going to ask you a little harder question because, you know, we've been talking about general safari for those who haven't gone on safari. I think all this information is really useful, but there's some, some more um, hardened South African expats who are listening, who have been on to all the major places, right? They've, yes. they've traveled around, they've looked around. I'm going to just challenge you for a second. What do you think what do you think those who already have, have quite seen a lot in Southern Africa or in South Africa, what do you think they need to see before they move on to their next destination that they might not have thought about yet? Okay, so there's obviously the lesser known locations in Southern Africa. Um, for example, if you're going into Botswana, um, there's there's Wangi, for example, that's the lesser known um, reserve to visit, where you would, for example, get 80,000 elephants passing through it at one time. Wow. Um, so there's also um, Mana Pools in, in Botswana, which is really stunning, where you would also focus more on walking safaris and um, watching the leopards take the kill up a tree. Um, and where you would be able to to see sunset over baobab trees, so mm -hmm. so there are some beautiful untouched locations that that aren't really sold as as commonly because of the unfamiliarity of it all. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course there's those we um, we are who are focused on conservation mm -hmm. and education in in the you know the villages that are nearby 
we, um, so there are, for example, there's ABC, African Bush Camps, who focus on uh, schooling for, for the less fortunate, um, you know, the environment. So there's quite a few that are tapping into the conservation side of travel, and, and that also becomes purposeful travel. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to um, go there and, and just um, work, but it's it kind of gives travel a purpose and safari a purpose. So there's everything for everyone. You know, the, the, I, I believe that you, you, you could probably continue visiting these locations and they'll, they'll forever be discovering new ways and efforts in, in conservation. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that, that's also quite special. You know, you could go to, for example, KwaZulu-Natal, there's a um, Pinda, Pinda, for example, game reserve, who focus on pangolin conservation. Oh, really? My I mean, son is stunning. <laughs> My son is seven and loves pangolins. I mean, I that would be stunning. That means I didn't even know what a pangolin was, and he learned it, about it, it through wildcrats, right? Like this is. <laughs> I mean, how incredible is that? I mean, this is something that's that's quite um, new, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, the African Pangolin Working Group work with and beyond um, at Pinda, and then they they basically focus on the conservation of pangolin. That's so, so much fun. So there's so many. Um, unique ways on how to preserve the beauty of Africa mm -hmm. and guests can now start joining in these initiatives whether it be with volunteering whether it be um, trying to go to into a school help with with stationery for a school where there's where the children have nothing um, so just taking the plight of of being part of change, I think that will mm -hmm. that is something that if somebody keeps it at the back of their mind, again, it becomes quite an enriched way to travel and to visit these countries. Yeah. And there's a lot of these safari lodges that employ the local villages, the mm -hmm. people from local villages where they can help kind of uplift things around the, the area. So it's just kind of engaging in, and seeing what is it that where would they like to invest their time their time in and and kind of just tap into that and and they'll be surprised as to how many initiatives there are out there mm -hmm. i love that you mentioned that that you know more travel with more purpose and some of the more um off the beaten path um options i know baobab trees are one of my favorite trees. I found Baobab in West Africa when we were in Burkina Faso. I fell in love with them. And there's a lodge that we go to here in South Africa that has one really big Baobab tree. And it just feels so sacred when you yes. come to it. I just can't explain. There's something about a Baobab tree that feels sacred and it's worth seeing when you are on the continent. Um, this idea of going to a pangolin reserve, I just think that's fantastic. And now, now you gave yes. me an idea to do with my son for a birthday present. Um, and then really challenging yourself to, to go to other areas and have different experiences. I know for myself, I get so busy and um, this, I, I know this sounds super um, out of context, but it's like this, because we go on safari a lot when our guests come, there are times where I'm like, oh, another safari because we've, we invest in them and we've seen, you know, the antelope, we've seen the elephants, we've seen the whatever. And every time I get there. I'm like, I'm so glad I came. I don't, I can't explain it. Yeah, I can't explain that's exactly, it. So, that's it. Yeah. Uh, because, the, because the one, you know, for example, Botswana is so vast. Um, just, as, you know, just 
the, the expense is just so incredible where you would have two lodges per 65,000 hectares, yeah. whereas yeah. in South Africa, you'll have 45 lodges in the same amount of space. So it's the terrain, it's, it's this lush savannas, it's those sunsets, it's just yeah. the stars, and it's just tapping into those, those beautiful, beautiful gems that you wouldn't necessarily have to pay for, or you just have to be open to it. Yeah. And I guess it's, I mean, I guess I'm speaking a little bit to the people who are in the region and are getting a little complacent about where to go and what to do. Um, and I've been there, right? It's like, oh, yes. you're so busy in your everyday life. You know, is it really worth the effort? And that's why I'm like, one of my friends is South African. She's been so kind to help us book our our tours and understand where to go. And I didn't realize <laughs> there was actually a company that will help you do that. Like it's not bothering my friend now. Um, so it's wonderful. And I thank you so much for joining us. I, I just, I realized for so many people, um, we were talking about bucket lists. Uh, last week we talked about um, running a marathon as a bucket list with Nicole winning some things that people set as a goal to do for their life to run that yes. marathon. Yes. And I thought the safari would be a great second focus on bucket lists. Some people want to go on safari for a lifetime bucket list. Others are in Southern Africa and are running out of things on their bucket list to do because they think they've seen it all. And what yes. we're saying is you can go deeper and look further. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So just and, be, being open to that and, and just communicate. You know, if, if they, for example, if they make contact with safari.com, you just have to communicate what, you, what you're looking for. And right. we will basically tailor everything around your, whatever you have in mind so that we can, so that you can tickle those, those bucket lists. Um, because so often you don't know it's a bucket list, but as soon right. as gets brought to your attention and there's a bit of inspiration that, that comes to play. Mm -hmm. And one of my philosophies, and if you've been a listener of Expat Happy Hour for a long time, you're going to know this, but how do you live abroad without regret? And, you know, I was in Burkina Faso and we were suddenly, we suddenly left actually about 18 months earlier than planned. And there were one or two experiences I had on my bucket list in Burkina that I was never able to experience because of a abrupt transition. And now, you know, being in South Africa, I'm thinking about what's on my bucket list. I don't want to fly out at the end of our assignment and say, oh, yeah, I wish I had gone too. So this is also an invitation for those of you who are on the continent or living abroad and have an opportunity, a luxury, a privilege to choose where you spend your time on holiday to really think about what is on my bucket list? What kind of experience do I want to offer my family? And all of the things that we've talked about are really in alignment with reconnecting with nature and connecting with yourself in a different way when you're out in nature, as well as connecting with locals. And in this high-tech environment that we live in, where we're constantly connected and constantly on devices, I can't think of a better place to go to, to disconnect, to get reconnected with your family and yourself. So thank you so much, Chantal, for joining us on Expat Happy Hour. Um, if people want to know more, safari.com is a really easy uh, web address to, to remember. So if you want to know more, of course, you can hop on over to safari.com. But Chantal has also shared her direct email in the show notes. I hope today's episode has given you something to dream about. 
if a safari is not on your bucket list, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take a break from the tech, from the busyness, from the hustle and bustle of your life and reconnect with your friends and family? Last week, we talked about doing something really challenging and testing your limits like a marathon with Nicole Whitting. This week, we're talking about something where you actually shut down and open up to nature in ways that you haven't done in a long time. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe it's going to the ocean and watching the whales, or maybe it's going on a long walk in the forest with your family on a Saturday, whatever that is, your resilience counts on taking time away for rejuvenation. Your connection with your family counts on breaking out of the routine and connecting in fresh ways. I hope this episode has inspired you to think of your own bucket list and how you're going to make it happen. And remember, if running a successful business that serves expats is on your bucket list, don't miss out on Expat Coach Coalition. This is Sunday Shander Bean, and you've been listening to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the quote from Annette White. Stop dreaming about your bucket list and start living it.